to the Feed You podcast, giving you the real scoop on raising your business to new heights. Expert education, inspiration, and motivation to fuel your purpose, your passion, and your profits. Here's your host, Elisa Connor. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Feed You podcast. I'm Elisa Connor. I'm your host. And this week we are talking about the seven must ask questions that you need to ask to fix your sales funnel. Last week, if you missed it, we talked all about what a sales funnel is. And I gave you the inside scoop on all the different components of your sales funnel. And you may have questions about, I don't even know if mine's broken or it is broken, but I don't know how to fix it. And so I really thought it would be helpful while we're on this sales funnel uh, series And I actually have two more in this series coming up in the next couple of episodes to give you some questions to ask and some real tangible action steps that, you know, once you ask these questions, you can take action and fix those pieces so that you can see more traction with your sales funnel. If you missed the components of the sales funnel, you can find that in the previous episode, number 035, and I will link to that in the show notes. First, let me say thank you to those of you that join me every week. I really appreciate you. I love your comments. I love when you send me Facebook messages and Instagram messages and just let me know that you're enjoying the podcast and that it's valuable to you. So I just really love to hear about your success stories. If you want to share those with me, you can reach out to me on Instagram at Elisa M as in Mary Connor and just share, you know, your thoughts. Are you liking the podcast? Are you liking the content? Is it working for you? When do you listen? Are there things you'd like to hear? Just let me know. So thanks again for joining me. And if you're new, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Let's get started on these seven must ask questions. Before we get started, I almost forgot. I've created a free download for you for this episode because I think these questions are so important for you to fix your sales funnel and to really see traction in areas that you might be stuck And I just wanted you to have the questions and some room to be able to brainstorm and fill out the answers to these questions for your own business. You can find that download at alisaconnor.com forward slash 36. This is episode 36. So once again, you can find that download at alisaconnor.com forward slash 36. I'll also have the link to that in the show notes. Number one, when we talk about brand awareness, you need to ask yourself, kind of dig deep. Do people really know who you are and what your brand does and what your business offers? And you can gauge that pretty quickly by engagement. You know, are people reaching out to you and saying, hey, I see you everywhere. Hey, uh, I referred somebody because they need help with blank and it should fit whatever your business offering is if they're reaching out to you on social media and they're saying, Hey, I saw your Facebook live on blank, or I tried this and it blah, blah, blah. You know, those are people that you want to reach out to. And uh, if you're getting that kind of traction, people are aware of you. And sometimes we have to just beef it up a little bit and, and get some momentum going. And there are some different ways to do that, but some ways to measure that and Before I go too deep into that, I I really want to let you know that we're going to talk um, all about analytics next week. And I know if you're like me, analytics are like, oh, so boring. But let me tell you, you after this episode, uh, next week's episode, you're going to fall in love with your analytics 
because they are so powerful. So I just want to touch on those a little bit with this number one question. You know, are people aware? Because I think you need some measurement around whether or not people are aware of you. That can be measured by, you know, what kind of traction you're getting in, in ways of sales conversion. Like how many people are actually buying from you? And if you have a really tangible product, like um, I have a previous client who, I, I have two previous retail clients, one who sold spices and one who sold clothing. And if you, you know, you can measure the number of dresses sold, then you have a very tangible figure. If you can measure the number of a specific spice blend sold, you have a very tangible number. But a lot of times if you're selling a, a service, it's not quite as tangible because you may have some people that purchase this or they you know do this one little component and so it's not quite as relatable but you can still track it so be aware of you know how much traction you're getting some other numbers to look at number of new email subscribers i have um you know i have people look at their reports on a regular basis like if you're just building your email list you don't need to look at it every day you can if you want but you don't have to but look at it you know over a, a week a month a quarter period of time. And if you've doubled that, you're getting traction. People are becoming aware of you. People know what you're doing. Of course, you can measure it by new clients and, um, you know, social media engagement, all those sorts of things. But if you're not able to get those measurements and you're not seeing those numbers, here are four specific questions that I want you to ask yourself to make sure that you are getting the traction and if you're putting the time and effort to try and get attention and get traction with your audience, these are really important questions to ask. Number one, are you showing up where your audience is? So for example, I'm, I'm going to use an example from my own past. I have been to, if you know anything about me, I've been to every networking group under the sun. And I got really frustrated because what I found is that most of the people that were in these networking, popular networking groups. And I'm talking, and, and they are great for some businesses. Um, but I'm talking the ones, and I don't want to leave any names on here specifically, but the ones that everybody has heard of. And um, what, what you need to ask yourself if you're going to those networking groups, and some of them meet weekly, that's a huge time investment. There was a group that I was in that I ended up, I calculated between being an officer in the group attending the group and doing outside, um, air quote, coffee dates with people, I was spending like 30 hours a month at this networking group. Well, if you multiply that times your hourly rate, that's outrageous. You had better at least be getting as much money from your time investment. So you're breaking even. So anyway, I digress, but I just wanted to kind of bring it to your awareness that you need to be aware that your audience is actually showing up in that group. So what I found in these groups is that 90% of the people in that group couldn't afford me. I was in the wrong place. And once I realized that the people that were in those groups had very novice businesses and I did not have a novice product, I became really aware that I needed to put myself in different environments. And so I sought out those environments and I sought out ways to reach out to the people that were in, you know, the price range to be able to work with me and did have established businesses. And then now I'm working on other product offerings for people that, you know, can't afford to work with me one-on-one -on -one so that we can build their business and then they can work with me one-on-one. -on -one. So that's really important. Determine, and it's not only offline, but online. 
determine where your audience is. If you're an Indian restaurant and you um, are in a specific neighborhood, but you're networking across town, the likelihood that people from across town, you know, 30, 20, 30 miles away are going to come to your Indian restaurant is pretty slim. And if they do come, they're not going to come very often. So just sort of think about, you know, where is your audience? Where are you marketing? Where are you advertising? Who are you getting in front of? And this is particularly important if you're marketing online, because if your audience is wide and broad and you haven't at least narrowed it a little bit, targeted it a little bit, you're going to be spending money on advertising and putting information out there to people that really have no interest or desire to work with you or have no money to work with you or have no, they may not even have a business. I see so many people on Facebook that use Facebook stories to talk about their MLM and I have nothing against MLMs. I've done multiple MLMs, but it seems like everybody now gets on social media and they're like, oh, I'm selling bloody, bloody, blah, reach out to me. And then the next thing you get invited to their party. And then the next thing is that they send you a personal message. And it's like, if I was interested in your beauty cream or whatever it might be, I would reach out to you. And so that spaghetti on the wall marketing just doesn't work. So my first recommendation, high, highly recommended, is that you figure out where your who your audience is and where they are. And then to go along with that, which is really important, is when are they there? This also, I can relate this also to live networking. Uh, I've done a lot of networking over time and I've met at groups with um, where, you know, there's a lot of midday networking. You might have a three hour lunch that's a networking meeting. Well, my clients aren't at a three hour lunch. They are actually in their business working in the middle of the day. And so determining that and realizing my clients aren't there because they have a business to run was really important. And the same goes with online. If you're doing a Facebook live and it's, you know, 1030 in the morning, just because that was when you got up and you had your coffee and you felt like doing it, you might get some people that, you know, see the replay. But the reality is, is that if you're not there at a time that your audience is there to engage with you and is in the business mind frame to engage with you, you're not going to get much traction. So be aware of who and where, but also when they're available to engage with you. And those are really important questions. And it's, I'm not telling you that it's easy to figure those things out, but with a little bit of tenacity and a little bit of know-how, you can figure it out and then you can show up to be of service to those people and you will be one of the few. Question number three, are you making it easy for them to understand how you solve their problem? Now, there are some really important words in that question. Are you making it easy? That's number one for them to understand because they're not going to spend a lot of brain power trying to figure out how you can help them. And number three, to solve their problem, not sell your solution, but solve their problem. So really take some time and think about that. Are you promoting yourself because you have products and services to sell? Like say the Mary Kay lady who wants to tell you all about her new facial? Or are you really approaching your audience from the perspective of, hey, I realize that you might have some sun damage because it's summer and I want to protect you from getting additional sun damage this summer. I have this great new product. Would you, you know, can I tell you about it? 
um, or, you know, however you want to look at it, but it's a problem they're looking to fix. If you, you know, if you have sun damage and you're wanting to protect your skin this summer, reach out to me because I'd be, I'd love to, to tell you about some ways that we can do that. And not all of them should be paid, by the way. Give them some freebies. You know, uh, number one, wear this kind of sunblock. Number two, this SPF sunblock. Number two, get a hat. Here's my favorite hat place. Number three, um, only spend this many hours in the sun. And then you can talk about your products. So I hope that makes sense. And then number four under this question is, um, are you creating content that they want to consume and the way they want to consume it? Now, this can be a little bit sticky because you may have blog posts. Like, for example, I have a lot of people that uh, are in my circle that create blog posts. I don't like to consume my content regularly as a blog post. My favorite way to consume content, shocker, is through podcast because podcasts make it easy for me to learn on the go, whether I'm on a walk or I'm in the car or I am getting ready in the morning. I can turn on my podcast and I can listen to learn different things. So I have a entire list of podcasts that I listen to. Being aware of that, if I was your customer, being aware of how they learn and how they want to learn gives you an advantage to create that kind of content for them to learn in the way they're most comfortable. So do a little bit of research on, yes, you have to know who your audience is and specifically who they are, but you also have to know how they learn and they may learn different ways. They may, I mean, sometimes I'm not saying I never read a blog post. I definitely read blog posts, but if I'm wanting to learn things specifically about my business and I'm not out researching them, I don't typically go to blog posts. I do a lot of YouTube videos. I do a lot of um, tutorials. I, I just want most people like me, I, I think most people just really want you to get to the point. You know, how do I get to the solution faster? And so when you're creating that content, make sure you're creating something that they can walk through easily, simply, and that you're getting them re the result they want. So those are the questions to ask if you are not getting the traction or engagement with your brand. Those are quick fixes that you can implement. Number two, the number two must ask question. Are you, are people converting in some way and moving through your sales funnel? And you can determine this by email open rates, the number of people that have subscribed to your email list, um, the number of downloads you have for your podcast or your freebies, and also through obviously purchases, if they've become a client or purchased something from you. And if they're not converting, here are some things that you can look at to make sure that you have addressed to increase conversions. Number one is to look at your analytics. You can look at um, open, and I'm gonna have a whole episode about analytics next week, just as a reminder, so I'm not gonna go too deep into these, but look at all the analytics in your business. You know, your email status reports, your social media reports, your Google Analytics reports. And if you don't know what any of those are, stay tuned, we're gonna talk about them next week. Uh, you may need to make some tweaks to your messaging. Maybe your messaging is falling down. And if you're really struggling with messaging, a lot of people are, stay tuned because I am doing a whole series in June on messaging and story brand. And it's going to be really good information. I'm really excited about it to share it with you. So um, tweak your messaging, make sure that it fits your ideal client and that it's something that they're looking for. And then make it really easy for them to say yes. We talked about this last week a little bit in the sales funnel precursor, but 
if people have to hunt around to determine how to work with you and they don't know, you know, do I sign up for a consultation? Do I hit, you know, is there a button to buy it? If they're searching, they're not going to do that. They're not going to waste their time. They're going to be like, I don't know how to buy from this person and they're on to the next person. So make it easy for them to buy, make it easy for them to convert regardless of how you're getting in front of them. Must ask question number three. And this is really important because, and I touched on this a little bit in the last episode, but we get really concerned about getting new customers. But really the way our business is going to grow and our business is going to scale is when we start looking at lifetime customer value. And what that means is, is what is, you may have, for example, I may have somebody that comes to me for say a story brand um, messaging consultation. And that is my lowest price offering. That's where I, I start everyone. And they may just want that. But if I give them the opportunity and show them the value of moving forward with creating, you know, their online sales funnel campaigns, their emails, their website modifications, um, all of those different things, their social media profiles, if I can show them what that looks like as we go through the initial process, their lifetime value go- is much higher. It goes from, you know, maybe a $2,000 investment to a $20,000 investment. So looking at that, regardless of what your um, product is, it it could even be something as simple as a, um, let's use a a, um, food delivery system, like um, Blue Door is the one that comes to mind. So they're delivering meals, but the lifetime value isn't based on people purchasing, you know, a month's worth of meals. It's their cost, um, their profit, not their cost, their profit goes up the longer that person stays a client. And so they're looking at lifetime value. Like how can they continue to encourage those people to remain clients? And I don't use you know, that, that's that company because it would cost me a fortune with three teenagers. But if, if I did, I would hope that they would give me, you know, a way to plan my meals, a way to determine what I want to want to order. Um, some, you know, online video tutorials about how to cook it. You get the idea. They're, they're creating value so that people will stay engaged and they will want to continue to use their service. And when you look at lifetime value, that can really add up specifically dependent on your business model. But any way you look at it, it's always easier to convert a former client or current client into more products than it is to go out and find new clients. So um, here are some tips to focus on lifetime customer value. Customer service right now, and I'm sure you've noticed this, is at an all-time low. Anytime, I am like, I think I'm the worst customer service critic, but it just drives me crazy. The perfect example is I just went on a business trip to Nashville, and I didn't, I hardly ever get a car if it's just me. If I'm going with a family, of course, I'm going to, you know, get a car because there's a ton of us. But if it's just me, I usually Lyft everywhere. I'm not a big Uber user. I use Lyft. And I thought it was really interesting that there was such a difference between Lyft drivers based on age. 
And I, I'm going to give you an example. Almost every person, and I do not have anything against millennials or the millennial generation. I just observed this. Everyone that seemed to be under 30 literally had the personality of a piece of straw. Like they had no conversation skills. They were just, they either, if they talked to you at all, they were whining about their life and how horrible it was that they had to get up early and drive for Lyft and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, seriously, like you chose this. And then everybody over 30, it was just so interesting to observe this behavior, but everybody over 30 was like, oh yeah, welcome to the city. And I'm so, you know, there's so many fun things to do. And have you tried out this? Hot chicken is like a huge thing in Nashville. I didn't know this because I had never been to Nashville before, but spicy hot chicken is their thing. And so I had multiple Uber drivers who were older were like, oh yeah, you got to go here. They have the best hot chicken. Don't go down here. That's where all the tourists go. And you know, if you want a really good restaurant for wine, because I like wine, go here. Um, Totally different experience. And so just that little bit of customer service, it may not seem you know, like it's a big deal to you, but just offering a little extra support and a little bit extra customer service to your clients is going to go so far because so few people do it. And I just really want to encourage you to think about, you know, how can you add a little bit of extra love and care around your customers and around their customer experience to make them not only increase their lifetime customer value with you, and make their life a little happier, but also to keep you top of mind when they're wanting to refer you to other people, because they're much more likely to refer you, one, if they see results, but two, if they had a good experience. And then um, this is something that I'm learning. I have not perfected it yet, but try to figure out a way to make it really easy for them to keep working with you. And some examples of that would be like, if you Um, offer an an online program. You may want to extend it and offer a membership to people that have gone through your online program for additional support. Um, You may have um, one-on-one coaching that you then move into a group coaching environment. And that's just to get additional support after you've worked with them. You may have group coaching that goes to one-on-one coaching. Um, You may have um, an online program that goes to group coaching that goes to one-on-one coaching. You know, you have to determine what's going to work for your business, Um, but it it would work the same if you had a product. So maybe you sell the thing that keeps, I must have my spice friend um, on my mind, but the thing that comes to mind is, you know, you offer a spice. Well, maybe you offer an online meal planning program where, you know, you could do live meal planning, planning with them in a group setting. And then you offer from there, maybe cooking classes. Maybe people don't know how to use your spices, or you could even go to like group cooking classes or, um, you know, how can you offer additional benefit to them? So they keep buying your product, but you can still continue to sell to them. So it doesn't necessarily just come up, you know, come from selling them the product. It comes from selling them the education around the product as well. And then also uh, a great way to do this, and I've seen this done and it's something I'd like to implement in the future, but you offer um, almost like elite special events to previous clients. Only previous clients can be invited. I've seen a lot of the um, upper crust online marketing businesses do this where they will have an event for people that have signed up 
for their course, like say their online course, and it's only for their students. They don't let anybody else come. They don't announce it publicly and they could sell those tickets for hundreds of dollars, maybe thousands of dollars. Um, but it's not even available. And so it makes it seem very um, elite is the word that comes to mind. But, you know, people want what they can't have. And so it's a way to, you know, kind of nurture and cuddle and love on your current audience, but also to create a little bit of um, hype about what you're doing. And then another way to do that is to offer specific customer, previous customer promotions, discounts, and launches. And one of my mentors that uh, did this really well recently is she had, um, she has several online programs and she was launching a new product and kind of combining a lot of her other programs together into this one product. And she reached out to her current audience and offered them a sub substantial discount. It was like a third of what it was going to be price to purchase this product. And I know she did super well. She always does really well, but I just thought that was a really great way to kind of look at what you do and market it in a new way. And it gives you a great way to test your product and work out the kinks with people that already know, like, and trust you. So think about how that could work in your business and how you could create, um, you know, special discounts and launches and maybe um, beta groups per se for your products to get them out there and get them tested and get some um, feedback but still get paid for it. So we are up to number four of the must ask question. Number four is, are people getting stuck at one phase of your sales funnel? And the only way you're really gonna know this is by looking at those analytics. And I'm gonna give you some insight again next week on um, analytics, but things that you can ask as you're kind of looking through those reports and looking through What's going on in your business is, you know, have people opted into your email, but then never opened one? Or did they opt into your email and then never um, complete the second opt-in part where they've agreed? Um, are they opening your emails and reading them, but not clicking on the links? Um, and something like that, it could be something as simple as the link's not working. Or you thought you linked the text and it didn't link. And so it's all of those things that you may just not even be aware of because, you know, as we're pushing out content and we're creating all these things, we don't always have time to go through, through things with a fine tooth cone. I, I had, here's a perfect example. I had an opt-in on my site for a long time. I didn't even realize it wasn't working. And I finally went in one day. I'm like, why is nobody opting into this? And I try, put myself through the process. And I was like, oh, because it's broken. But if you don't test it and you don't know, you know, to go and look at that stuff. And this was something that I had tested originally when I put it up and then something along the way um, had a hiccup in it and it wasn't working anymore. And so test those things once in a while or have somebody go on and test it because you won't know that it's not working if somebody doesn't tell you. You, um, another hiccup in your system could be if, you know, somebody's clicking the link in an email or in a Facebook post and maybe even putting it in their cart, but then they don't go buy it. 
And we always think, oh, it's because they don't want it or, you know, it's it's about us, but it really isn't. I mean, think about how many times you put things. I have like 10 things in my Amazon cart right now that I haven't bought. If Amazon was really like wanting me to buy those, they'd be like, hey, did you know you still have four things in your cart? Did you want to buy those? I haven't gotten an email from them, so I guess I don't care if I buy them or not. Of course, they're, you know, a gajillion dollar company, so they probably don't have time for that. But if you're a smaller company and you've got products or services and you see that people have started to move through the sales funnel and they actually have entered, you know, into the, I'm ready to buy this, but then maybe they got distracted because their kid was crying or school called or a client called them on the phone or they got an email that they had to respond to. They just got pulled away from it. So just realize, you know, it could, it could just take a simple follow-up email that says, Hey, I noticed you put this in your cart. Are you still interested? And think about what that looks like for your funnel. Uh, of course, I'm always going to go back to language. Is your language clear that you're using um, everywhere you're marketing? Is it clear that, you know, what you do and what you want them to do? And if it's not, how can you make it more clear? How can you make it simple for them to work with you? Are you explaining what you do in a simple way? If you are making them work for it by using industry terms or language or things that they don't understand, Um, I really struggle with the word sales funnel because a lot of people don't know what that is. But I think uh, being educated about those words or using some sort of education around those words is helping people understand it and how important it is. If, you know, I were to use words like lead generation and and you'll see those interchangeably, but really a sales funnel, you know, is, is the term that people utilize, especially online for generating more leads. So think about those words though. If you're particularly in uh, like a medical industry or I, I, the one example that comes to mind is I have a chiropractor who I love dearly, but he's really caught up in terminology and he knows so much about what he does. But when he uses all these different words, um, the average person like most people that go to a chiropractor don't know what a subluxation is. Like until somebody's told them, they don't know what that is. They just know their back hurts. And so if you're using, you know, disc herniation and subluxation and all these medical terms in your marketing, you're going to have a really hard time attracting clients because what they really want is their head to not hurt anymore or their lower back to feel like it did when they were, you know, 10 years younger, or they want to be able to walk, uh, longer without their feet hurting. So we get really caught up because we have a lot of knowledge around what we do, but not the people, the people that we're trying to attract don't have that same amount of knowledge. So we really need to simplify it and create messages for a third grade level. One, because people are busy and they don't have time to read it. And if it takes a lot of effort, they're not going to bother. And two, because they're not experts in our field. We are, you don't need to impress them with the big words. They're finding you because you're solving their problem. Which leads me to my next point. Are you solving their problem? If you're just promoting your products and services and how great you are and all the education and knowledge and certifications you have, people don't care. They want to know how you're solving their problem and how quickly you can fix it. And that's really all they want to know. And that's the reason they're seeking you out to begin with. So if you're looking at your messaging and you're looking at, you know, your sales funnel and the pieces, the way you're driving traffic through it, are you, are you answering that question? Are you answering it really clearly and giving them the one, two, three of how to do that? Are you targeting the right audience? Are you targeting any audience? 
if you're just putting it out there for anybody under the sun, this is, I don't know why the skincare people, it must be like a really big um, time of year for people to promote skincare products because they are all over my Facebook feed. But uh, they're like, oh, if you have skin, I've got something for you. What? There are 6 billion people on the planet. All of us have skin. Not everybody wants your product. And they don't target at all. And you can see why they're not getting any traction because, you know, their friends and family might buy something from mostly because they're like, oh, I, you know, I love you and I want to support you. But the reality is you're never going to grow a business that way. You're never going to grow a business without targeting one group of people or getting really specific about how you serve. So think about that. And if you're, you know, struggling with your sales funnel and it's not converting, it may be because you have an audience problem. So look at that. See how much more refined you can get it. And um, last but not least in this area of are people getting stuck is goes back to what's called retargeting. And that's, that's another industry term. But what it is, is when you have somebody that's interested and say they, let's go back to the cart example, say they've put a product in their cart, but they didn't buy it. When you go back to re-engage with them and, you know, say, hey, you put that in your cart, were you really interested? And you send another email to them. That's called retargeting. And when you retarget, you can often convert people into sales. And like I said, people get busy, they get distracted. There are tons of, you know, those cat videos on Facebook and YouTube and um, all those sappy stories you got to watch. So, you know, there are so many distractions in the world. It's very easy for people to not complete transactions that they really are interested in. So creating up a system in your analytics, which we'll talk about next week, to retarget those people can really increase your sales. And maybe that's, you know, they need a little bit more information. And so that becomes your retargeting campaign is answering a few more questions. So that's number four. Number five, is it easy for your audience to reach you and engage with you? And this comes down to, again, it's kind of like customer service. If your audience can't get in touch with you either by phone or email or on some way on social media, number one, they need to be told how to get in touch with you, which is one of the reasons I always tell you guys in this episode, in these episodes to reach out to me on Instagram. That's a, I'm on there a lot. It's a great way for me to engage and interact with you. And it's easy for me to respond. And I respond to all of those direct messages. People have different ways that they would rather be contacted. Um, Some people use text messaging. I really, I don't like people to text message me. And it's not really anything against them. It's just that I get so many text messages between family and friends and um, people that, you know, I'm trying to connect with that I really prefer not to text message because I'm afraid your message is going to get lost. And so I've directed most of my clients to either, there's a couple of different ways for for us to connect, but um, one would be, you know, I have a specific email that I have them use, but two is if you're, you're a new client or you're a lead, I want you to reach out to me on either Facebook Messenger or on Instagram. And those are my two preferred methods because that way I can see it. um, I know that it's there and I know that I can quickly and easily respond to it regardless of where I am. So make that really clear to your audience about how you want to be contacted and then put that in your call to action and, 
you know, even in your bios, like if you have different bios on social profiles or even on your website, just put it in there. Put a link to, you know, the best way to reach out to me is on Instagram. <laughs> the best way to reach me is by leaving me a message here um, or calling this number. Because if you don't tell them, they don't know, and then they don't know where to get help and they don't know how to contact you to move further in the process. So get really clear about that. Oh, and the other one I didn't mess it, uh, mention is in Facebook groups. There's a lot of people who will utilize Facebook groups and say, hey, tag me in a message in the Facebook group and, you know, use maybe this hashtag and then I'll make sure that I respond to you. And as your business grows and especially online, if your online business is growing, you really need to be clear about will you respond to everyone or will you only respond to some people or are you taking, you know, a a list of all the questions and then you're combining the ones that are similar and doing a Facebook live to answer those. Like how will you answer those? Because if you're putting it out there that you want people to ask you questions and then you don't respond, they're going to feel like why bother asking again? So make sure that you're responding in some way or that you're setting the expectation around though, um, how you're going to respond, because that's really important specifically you know, for audience engagement and for making people feel like, you know, their question was valid and it was worthwhile to answer it. And I've seen a lot of people in Facebook groups say, hey, um, I'm happy to answer that. But a lot of times the community has better answers. And so they'll let their community answer that. And then if it's really a hot topic, they'll pick that up and do a, a, tra a training around that specific question. Number six, this could also be a hiccup in your sales funnel. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have a frog in my throat. Number six is, do people trust you? And how are you trying to push them through the sales funnel too quickly without building that trust? And you may be the most trustworthy person in the world and you would never rip anybody off and you want to um, love, love on your clients and, um, share them, you know, share their success with the world. But if you haven't done client work or you're a brand new business and you don't have a lot of testimonials or reviews or maybe you haven't implemented the, the system to collect those testimonials and reviews, it's going to be a little bit harder for people to trust you. So that's just something you need to implement into your business. And a lot of times, like what I did, when um, I started my business is I did a lot of things for free or for trade. I would, you know, build somebody a website and, and I'm not saying do that all the time, you know, don't trade your services for free or barter. I really am not a fan of bartering, but if you can, you know, get some portfolio work or get some work on your resume where you've actually helped some people so that you can get some testimonials, that's a great way to build authority and build trust because now you've helped somebody you've, seen results, they've seen results, and they can become your fans. And then always one of the first things I do with clients um, that are trying to grow their business online is get them to reach out to current clients or past clients who just love them and have them do Google reviews. And I always send them to Google because where's the first place you go to find information? 90% of the time it's Google. If they also want to leave a review on Facebook, they can, but I really love Google. Um, I'm a Google fan and there are some intricacies around Google reviews that I'm not going to go into today, but maybe that's a future episode is, you know, figuring out Google. 
especially for local businesses, because they pull a lot of weight and it helps your search rankings. So put that into your business plan. You know, maybe it hasn't happened yet and you need to reach out to some previous clients and get testimonials, but that's a great way, way to build authority and build trust. Also, if you can get any free press from, you know, even your local news or being invited on a podcast and getting interviewed or speaking or however you want to do that, but just to get some attention and it really helps drive up your authority. It's um, a great way for you to build trust among the people that you want to help because when you're standing on a stage and you're teaching and you're training and you're giving information, you have already built up your authority just naturally. They're like, cool, they're on a stage because most people will never do that. So look at that, look at that and see how you can <clears throat> increase that trust level. Last but not least, I touched on this a little bit earlier, but is your audience specific enough? And we talked, I talked a little bit about targeting, but Really, you know, the saying is the riches are in the niches for a reason. The more niche down you can get with your business, and it can be based on product, it can be based on who you serve, uh, but how, however you decide to niche that down and get super clear about who you help and how you help them, the more traction you're going to see, the more your funnel is going to work and the quicker it's going to work because it's really noisy out there. Whether you are trying to get traction online or you're trying to get traction out in the world, there are a ton of people that do what you do. Of course, no one does it the way you do it, but you have to differentiate that very simply. And oftentimes that's based on your experience and how you, you know, who you've helped in the past or, you know, what your previous experience was to what you're doing now or whatever that looks like. But every person that I have looked at and seen, especially in recent times, like you've got the people, you've got the, you know, Michael Hyatt's of the world and Amy Porterfield and John Lee Dumas. Well, they all started this like 10 years ago. So their niche is that they are, you know, forerunners in the online marketing space. However, that is now, that forerunner part is taken. So if you see people even in the social media world, you'll see that they're niching um, to Facebook ads or messenger marketing or um, LinkedIn or Instagram or Instagram stories. Like it just gets tighter and tighter and tighter because that's where they're seeing traction. Everybody can say, hey, I do social media. Well, that's great. That's a huge industry and that's a lot to keep on top of. But if you are like, if you're really wanting to niche, maybe you become the social media expert for artists or you become the social media expert for whatever, you know, personal chefs. Um, and you learn everything about how, or bloggers or food bloggers or, you know, whatever it might be. But the, the more niched down you can get, the more traction you're going to see. And I've seen it in my own business and I've seen it in other people's businesses. So that's what I have for you. I want to walk through these one more time just so you have those seven must-ask questions. The number one is, are people aware of you and your brand? And are you getting engagement? Number two is, are people converting in some way and moving through the sales funnel, moving through your sales funnel? Number three is, are you taking into consideration the lifetime value of that customer? Or are you just signing them up for one piece of a product and then shipping them off into the night. Number four, 
are people getting stuck somewhere in your sales funnel? And if they are, where? And how can you fix it? Number five, is it easy for your audience to reach you and engage with you so that they know what to do and how to get their questions answered? Number six is, do people trust you? And if not, how do you need to build that trust? And then number seven is, is your audience specific enough that you are gaining traction with them? Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you go and ask these questions of your own business. I've actually created a free treat sheet for you with these seven questions. And you can go and download that. It's, it's just a list of the questions with a little space to write and you can kind of brainstorm um, you know, what your answers are to those so that you have an idea and a kind of a roadmap to follow of places that you might have some sticking points in your funnel and you can go get those fixed. You can find that at elisaconnor.com forward slash 36, because this is episode number 36. So go and get grab that download again for the seven must-ask questions at elisaconnor.com forward slash 36. Next week, we are talking all about analytics. I alluded to it many times in this episode, and it's going to be a great episode. We're going to talk in depth about things that you need to be looking at in your business on a regular basis to determine some of these things, like is your sales funnel stuck? Where is it stuck? Uh, Are people in one spot responding and not responding in another? So we're going to talk about some tools. We're going to talk about how to read some of those reports. And I hope you join me. Thanks again for tuning in this week. I would love to hear from you on Instagram at Elisa M. Connor. And don't forget to grab that free download at elisaconnor.com forward slash 036. I'm sorry, forward slash 36. Have a great week and I'll see you next week. Take care. This episode is being brought to you by my new free training, how to create an irresistible opt-in that people actually want. You know you need an opt-in. Everyone's told you you need an opt-in. What they haven't told you is what to create, how to create it, and for the love of Pete, how to connect it to both your email service provider and your website. That's why I've created this free training to give you the inside scoop about how to do all of those things. You don't want to miss this free training, so take this time right now to go sign up at elisaconnor.com forward slash simple, because I am going to help you create the simplest process that you can repeat again and again every time you need to create a new opt-in and a new download that attracts those people, grows your lists, and grows your business. Again, join me for the free training at elisaconnor.com forward slash simple. See you inside.